0: few months ago. You might recall me saying how rapidly the world is changing. I felt like I woke up one day in Bizarro World. Well, you're all starting to feel that way now, aren't you? At least I'm not alone, because today I've got Tim to console me, sun-kissed and fresh off of the plane from LA. How was your holiday, Tim? It was beautiful. I arrived in a lovely, hot, sunny country, spent time with nice people, ate great
1: food, and then I left a country that was fearful and bitterly divided.
0: Oh, no, so mission accomplished.
1: <laughs> I was very happy.
0: <laughs> you went over there to subvert their democracy, right? I
1: felt like I needed to be there. I felt like I had to bring this, some of the little spirit of Brexit. I think the world has changed, and we're all just still catching up with it.
0: On today's show, in light of Trump's victory, is Marine Le Pen destined to win the French presidential elections now? Tim and myself talk about Adam Curtis's latest documentary, Hyper-Normalisation. A documentary Tim hasn't seen, but we're going to talk about it anyway.
1: Because I'm (laughs) hyper-normalised.
0: And of course, what you've been waiting for over a week now to hear, our overly hysterical, soul-searching, hyperbolic reaction to Brexit Times 100... It's the Trumpocalypse.
2: And which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones, right now, Donald Trump. Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president.
1: You're awake, by the way. You're not having a terrible, terrible dream. Also, you're not dead and you haven't gone to hell.
2: This is your life now. This is our election now. This is us. This is our country. It's real. A joke. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to fucking kill myself, and I'm not kidding. You better
1: fucking fix this shit right now. <sighs> I literally am gonna die. I need an ambulance. I can't believe
0: that in her lifetime she deserves to be the first female president,
1: and that's what makes me so sad.
0: And President Obama, Mr. Obama, I want to say thank you for everything you've done in these past
2: years. right now what is wrong with you what is fucking wrong with you if you're not pissed right now not my, not my
0: president not my president not my president not my president i'm triggered yes all hail president trump the madman did it did you watch it i obviously watched it because i was in la oh yeah you got to watch it without actually I'm staying, staying up late. late yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, actually. I, I didn't intend to. Because basically, I believed I believed the polls going into it. You, you know, still believe polls? 98 percent, 98.1 percent chance of Hillary winning the election. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to watch the first hour just to get a bit of a feel. Because, you know, we, we've been listening and reading and watching about the US election for like 18 months. Oh, yeah. now. was like you had yeah. to tune in a little bit just to see what was going Thank on. Thank
1: God it's over, basically.
0: Well, I watched it live and it was the most riveting thing I've ever seen because it drastically changed over the course of four hours. Oh, what, it went from 98% chance Hillary victory to 98% chance yeah. Trump victory in the span of four hours. It, I've never seen anything it like that. It turned
1: very quickly, didn't it? Did you what, Did you watch it on just one channel or
0: I had CNN on? At one point, I started off with... because uh, I'm, I'm a piece of shit who enjoys schadenfreude, basically. So I thought, okay, I'm going to watch the Trump people, people who are pro-Trump. I'm going to watch them. And watched like I'm gonna watch them have their meltdown and pull their hair out and shit. And then it started turning out that it was looking like Hillary was gonna lose. And so I was like, "All right, fuck this! I've got to switch to like MSNBC because MSNBC are, like they're even more pro-Hillary than CNN is." Yeah, yeah. The Clinton news network. Well,
1: CNN was was a sight to behold in itself towards the end of it, it was... It, it was Wolf it, Blitzer. It was... Yeah, it was... He he held it together. He didn't cry. Okay. <laughs> he was as stoic <laughs> as Maddow his... Rachel cried a little bit. He was as stoic <laughs> as his name suggests, yeah? But... Basically, the, the, they had the guy on the the, the map screen. He was zooming into people's back gardens, like seeing what what probability their pet might have voted what for. What yard sign they just, had? They were basically. It, it was reminiscent of the um, band playing on the Titanic as it went down. They were just refusing to accept it. It was going into
0: it. The whole the narrative was: there's going to be this big blue wall of separation, and that's yeah. how Trump has yeah. no hope of winning. Yeah. Most and in... then it never emerged. Well, most interestingly, they
1: had um, f- for most of the evening until about halfway through they'd had these live shots of um some buildings in new york it was like the empire state building or something and they were projecting two columns
0: oh yeah, 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 yeah. and
1: then suddenly you, you didn't get to see it anymore was <laughs> you know, like oh it would have been interesting to see you know this big picture of him going up the side of a building <laughs> yeah. like spider-man the, the news was in shock i was in shock really not not that much shock like i said i had that spirit of brexit i pretty i, I thought when brexit happened i thought well that shouldn't have that wasn't meant to happen no that it wasn't meant to happen. So it meant something. And I thought, because that happened, Trump's definitely going to win. And that's why I predicted it a couple of sh- few shows ago.
0: Yeah, that's true. You have been saying for a while Trump's going to win it. You were in LA, California. Mm-hmm. Now, California's the state that came out big time for Hillary. It's a beautiful so part must- of the world. It must have been a really sombre mood the morning after in LA.
1: It reminded me a bit of the morning uh, after Brexit. Oh, the sun
0: came out finally (laughs) or it broke through those cloudy California skies. uh... No, it was
1: a bit like the morning after Brexit where you'd be walking around and everyone was sort of looking at each other's faces. Not so much trying to expose an emotion, but just to sort of
0: Trying to gauge who you voted
1: for. Who right? to gauge who you voted for at least. But yeah, everyone was was appalled. Like I said, um, I bought a little. I bought a, a Donald Trump T-shirt. Yeah, thanks on, for that. On, on the airport.
0: Um, Classic. And America, their sizes start at XL. I, do. <laughs> yeah, I mean.
1: bought it, and like the lady behind the counter was giving me funny looks. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of women do. Which, which, <laughs> was she black? No, she was um sort of Latina, me- Mexi- okay, half right, Mexican, yeah. I'd say. But she, she, and I said to her like, "I'm buying this because it's like historical."
2: Yeah, and, I was, and the yeah, funny, yeah, and yeah, the funny the thing is,
1: it was in an airport terminal. So like, loads of people were, were were leaving the country and most of them were were buying the Trump ones. There were Hillary t-shirts that said, um, don't blame me, I voted Hillary. <laughs> and, but looking at the two racks, the Trump ones were, were going at a rate of knots. Mm. And and I said to her, well, I actually lied to her. <laughs> I said to her, this is historic, I'm buying this. It doesn't necessarily reflect my political views. Yeah, of course not either.
0: And she said, well, actually it does. That snotty, sneering attitude had a part to play in Hillary's defeat, I reckon. Her her, face, her smug face summed up almost everything everyone hates about America. Do you know what I mean? It was like in one fake smile. But the weird thing is that the the whole fake thing is um, it wasn't fake, it was real. I can understand the people
1: going out marching in the streets because, you know, you you, you have to be sort of a magnanimous in victory or in defeat, really. But some people have genuine fears, even though they might be unfounded.
0: Like you said a lot of people were genuinely upset. A lot of people didn't see this one coming. Like we said earlier there was some polls were predicting 98% chance of Hillary victory and when you like you, you read that and you think to yourself well even with like a margin of error of 10% that's still that's still a landslide. Well but I think maybe it's that people are so
1: distrustful of the media. I think over there probably more than here.
0: Did you relish at all in the tears of the Hillary supporters? Like, there was one photo I put on my Facebook where um it's a bespectacled woman with like a dollar fifty stars and stripes plastic bucket on her head and she's like she's a classic wailing baby her head's tilted back yeah. tears streaming down her face this is the funniest image i've ever seen in my life
1: well a lot a lot of people a lot of commentators in america over the next couple of days after they they were saying these sort of reactions were indicative of what they call that everybody gets a trophy to have the harsh reality of like being an absolute loser and having something taken away from you, there's, there's a sense of loss, a sense of grief. Also bewilderment and panic because they've never experienced it before in their life. Mm. Even though they're
0: 30. <laughs> MSNBC's Rachel Meadow, she started the night off all smiles, all happy, dream thinking about, oh, Hillary's going to be the first female president. We're going to get our first female president. And then by the end of the night, yeah, she was basically fighting back the tears. And it was, like I say, it is schadenfreude. You're not really, it's not, it's an immoral thing to do. But it's impossible not to when someone's being that smug and when they're sneering at their opponents through opposition. Yeah. Like I'm I'm British. In most cases, I'll favour the underdog. And that's exactly what Trump was. He was a 98% underdog. Yeah. And so when you see Hillary supporters, oh, especially, did you see all the tweets? Are you on the Twitter? I've never been on Twitter. But Hillary supporters were on Twitter mm. about Six seven hours before the polls started closing, talking about how once Trump inevitably loses, we're going to have to unify the country. Oh yeah, don't laugh at the Trump supporters. When Trump loses, the Trump supporters are going to go ape shit. They're going to go. They're going to be rioting in the streets. And so when Hillary loses, yeah. And then you see the tweets, like one person in particular, Lacey Green, she's like a YouTube feminist kind of thing. She was tweeting out, oh, remember, folks, it's all about reconciliation. It's all about loving America and pushing America forward. They announced Trump's victory. Fuck America. Fuck you, white racist pieces of shit. you ruin ruined everything. Do you know what? Do you know who I think is
1: to blame for it? Who was a massive instigator? Was, Was Hillary Clinton herself. Not through anything she said. It was actually what she didn't say. It's what she didn't do. She didn't come out on the night and concede,
0: you know? Mm, she did eventually, but no, 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 I agree no. with you, though, because no. she sent out, she sent out Podesta. John Podesta, Podesta, of all Podesta. people. Yeah, Yeah, because they knew the Hillary supporters knew they'd lost. Mm. They were sitting there crying their eyes out, and she and, sends out Podesta.
1: And what did Podesta say? Hang on, this fight isn't over. He's, I can't yeah. remember his exact words. It's not over he, to it's, the it's, Fat Lady sings. He said, like, speech. it's not over yet. You know, go home, go to bed, get some sleep. You're gonna charge up your batteries, come back tomorrow, and that was the
0: thing. That's what happened, and, and
1: Clinton didn't speak till the next she morning. She didn't
0: have the balls. She didn't have enough spine to actually address her supporters. No, I don't think, it's, it's, I don't think it was
1: a question of spine. No, I think it was, a, and it was the media. It was counting. It wasn't talking. It wasn't about the people in the fucking auditorium. It was the whole of the country. Yeah, who was expecting a statement, Yeah, that could
0: have been a deliberate thing to stir uh, discontent. Do you think she didn't come out straight away because she was maybe thinking about contesting the result? and like Maybe they were sat out in some back yeah. room and they, they were, were talking about, all right, look, how do we result? challenge this? Starting riots, basically, or just talk, You know,
1: forming discontent among the people rather than immediately saying, let's accept this, even though she admittedly did say that the next day. I think it was a powerful thing just to leave it overnight. It's such sweet karma, though
0: yeah do you remember she was the one well i mean trump kind of hinted at the fact he wouldn't accept a hillary
1: but like karma karma's where like the whole schadenfreude thing comes in that's
0: yeah. why even if you
1: don't want to admit it everyone feels it because
0: it's the most well it, that photo of the bespectacled woman crying yeah you could show that to anybody anywhere on the face of the earth and they'll They'd instantly laugh. start laughing yeah yeah but how did the madman do it how did he win because i part of me is thinking he literally memed his way into the white house and memes are powerful things in the digital age now well he didn't spend a lot of money on tv ads a fraction of what hillary spent yeah <laughs> it's like is that the world we live in now that through image macros and memes on twitter you can build yourself up to the point where you can win the highest office in the land
1: definitely definitely our attention spans are getting shorter you know but our you know, a picture tells a thousand words. Our, our visual language is expanding.
0: Fucking hate emojis.
1: Mm. You can probably get, like, Trump and Hillary emojis, like, can not you?
0: And I hate those articles that come up, like, BuzzFeed articles of, like, can you translate these? Im-? No. And it makes me feel inadequate <laughs> that I don't know what these little stupid pictures mean. You're, I think you're right in terms of um, we do have short attention spans. And the media as well, they want just 15, 20 second video clips. That they can just play on loop for twenty-four hours a day. And I think Trump understood that completely. Yeah. He knows how to speak in those sound bites. And I think he also knew he's got to be just crazy enough to make it so that the news networks and the TV channels they can't ignore him at all. Mm. Some of those crazier statements oh, about what? how no Muslims can get into the country and grabbing people by pussies. Well, he didn't mean for that one to be heard, did he? <laughs> no,
1: but it got like twenty four hour rotation. You know, because oh. salacious and graphic media.
0: Like Hillary, I think she had to pay some people to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> she she paid like Beyonce and Jay Z like millions
1: <laughs> to to do the concert with her.
0: Now I didn't know this. After Mitt Romney lost, Donald Trump uh, trademarked the phrase "Make America Great Again." He actually which, trademarked it. Yeah, in 2012. God, which he- is a stolen phrase, I think, from uh, Reagan's landslide okay. victory election. Yeah. We all kind of laughed at it a little bit, thought it was a little bit simplistic, a little bit dumb. But those red caps turned out to be like a masterstroke of marketing genius. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. Did you buy one? No. I wouldn't mind having one. <laughs> like, one, one worn by Trump would go for about maybe 50 grand. Well, there was on one eBay. There was one
1: in a glass cabinet
0: when he gave his expectancy <laughs> yes, speech. Yes.
1: He's like a marketing <laughs> genius. But like the funny thing was, so like I said, I, I would have bought one. And I was looking out for them while I was over there. But did in California,
0: see... they're probably against the law. Yeah, banned probably. Yeah, I was going to ask, <laughs> did you see anyone wearing one? No, didn't see any Trump It'd signs. it guaranteed ass kicking, right? Now, I said, if you go back and listen to the very first episode of the Tom Dick and Hyman show, within the first four minutes, I said, Americans love assholes. And that's exactly what Donald Trump is. He's an unashamed, unapologetic asshole. Hillary tried to present herself as like your favorite grandmother, you know, probably on your mother's side. Yeah. Didn't really work, did it? But Trump was a convincing arsehole. And do you think, how much do you think that kind of factored in to Trump winning this election?
1: Um, It sort of goes with his character because people wouldn't have bought him if he had changed his character when he won the nomination and become more presidential because people knew how he was for years from his TV. Tone down a little bit. Tone down, obviously. But. No, not really. Some of the stuff he was saying is like has people literally calling him Hitler.
0: Is Hillary going to jail now? Is that is that what well, is she sweating it now? Maybe Trump will wait until Obama's fully out of office and he yeah, can't pardon her yeah. anymore. Or maybe it'll be maybe suddenly she'll announce that
1: she has got some sort of illness and that'll be that.
0: Do you think the media got a little bit too obsessed with Trump's? sort of policies on immigration because he talked he didn't only talk about immigration he talked about trade he talked about jobs he talked about crime and law and order and all these different things that i think they all resonated yeah but the hillary leaning media will say instead of left leaning yeah they focus solely on his mexican illegal immigrant rapists comment do you know what i mean and i think they 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 navel gazed on that too much
1: okay okay who else has been called a madman? Who who else Who else has made these like in inverted commas mad statements about immigration? Are we and talking stuff? about Farage? Farage. Who who was Neither in the fucking Brexit. Who was in the fucking office with Trump yesterday <laughs> for like an hour? Farage. I think Trump has like sort of done what Farage has done. What sister. do you
0: think he took from Farage? What did he learn from old Nigel? N- nothing. Nig- nothing. They're just the fucking same.
1: They're, They're I mean? they They just. Of, they just
0: tell the truth because they don't. They don't give a fuck. They. But that's why Americans love assholes. They associate assholes with people who keep it real, yeah. say it how it is. Yeah. They could be talking absolute bollocks, but if they but, sound if they sound angry <laughs> they're really say it with a bit of force... Are they really, Tom? That's the scary thing. Trump is not building the fucking wall, all right? The, the wall is now. not happening. Yeah. Trump talked about a range of things, and that Hil- Hillary never really... Talked about anything apart from being a woman. She never really came out. Well, she did. There was a period for about two, three months where her entire campaign was vote vagina. Mm. That's what I sum it up as. Vote for me because I'm a woman.
1: But she publicly admitted that they were going to like tax more or use more taxes to
0: help people. That was her trying to get the Bernie votes. Or just the people who want like benefits. I don't think she would have actually raised taxes on the rich. She was just saying that to try and get Bernie supporters Mm. on board. But... Trump tapped into American anger about America going in the wrong direction. This was a famous stat yeah. that came out. Two thirds of Americans believe America is going in the wrong direction. Completely. Trump tapped into that. Yeah. Just like Hillary ignored it, basically.
1: But like you said, Bernie did as well. Yeah, and Bernie's Bernie's to blame as well if you want to apportion blame. Yeah, because he could have he should have fucking stood as an independent after losing the uh, thing because he had the support. How many Bernie yeah, voters? How many Bernie voters voted for Trump as a fuck you to to Hillary or as as fuck you to Bernie? As like, a
0: percentage, I would say probably I'm, no more than forty. I think what you're getting at is Bernie would have beat Trump, whereas Hillary lost.
1: Yeah, but but Bernie, I agree, yeah. But Bernie supporting Hillary and not standing as an independent sold out. Yeah, he sold out, and he yeah. he he handed the election to Trump. Trump basically had all the things going for him. He had a, there's a huge There's been a huge upswelling of um, frustration with Obama's presidency.
0: Nobody's popularity maintains for two terms. No president's popularity does. But mm. Obama's was still fairly popular.
1: Yeah, he got Obamacare
0: through. Hillary which lost. Which might still go. <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to go. Well, I think in maybe next episode I'll talk about like what Trump's policies are likely to be, what his administration is going to be made up of. Mm. But Trump came up with some catchy and quite funny nicknames for his opponents. So you had a uh, Lion Ted for Ted Cruz. Uh-huh. A uh, low energy Jeb Jeff. for Jeb Bush. <laughs> Crooked Hillary. <laughs> Do you think those little catchy nicknames <laughs> are they going to be the future of political discourse now you come up with a silly little well, name for your opponent?
1: That 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 in itself is one thing but like I was saying earlier, I said the campaign was damaging for the whole world because I think it's changed it's changed <laughs> political discourse like now I think the next general election will get in this country it'll yeah. be like, let's let's forget about the policies and let's just put two people against each other who are completely different and mm-hmm. just compare them on their characters and what they <laughs> represent and who they are uh, you know, it'll, <sighs> it's
0: a joke So Trump, obviously if you're anti-political correctness in any shape or form, Trump's kind of got an appeal there, just the fact that he would, he has no filter between his brain and his mouth was actually kind of refreshing we got accustomed to to 20 years of politicians speaking in this kind of um, PR speak. Yeah, PC PR. That no one, you know you don't actually believe what the fuck they're telling you. Mm. Whereas Trump came across as authentic. Yeah, okay, maybe he is a bit of a madman, but at least I know where he stands kind of thing. But at the same time, you kind of don't, because every time Trump announced an, a policy, it would the public would react negatively to it, and then he walks back from it. Mm. So, I mean... But I, think we're, I think we have to accept yeah. policies do not matter at all in, in elections anymore. No one gives a shit. Yeah.
1: But he's he's not a politician. He's a businessman, and I think he is very he he is apparently a good negotiator. And if if he can be someone who, instead of like bombing somewhere, will fly out there
0: in a jet and sit around a table
1: and talk with them, I think that's that's what he'll be like.
0: But Hillary was very much the status quo. She was the status quo candidate at a time when Americans desperately wanted change, even though it was only eight years from when they desperately wanted change and they got their first black president. Mm. Hillary, even despite having a vagina, that wasn't change enough for Americans. And Trump was... <laughs> he You're not going to get more change. You're not going to get a bigger change candidate no. than Donald Trump. No.
1: And the thing is, you, you can say, like, societally, economically, maybe America had stagnated for the last, you know, 12 years and things have pretty much been the same. This was just a chance for like people to to stir it up a bit, and it's that that's a very natural thing to want to do anyway.
0: Yeah, like Hyman's always going on about um, people always thinking a way of eh, let's try something different. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. <laughs> this is different. Yeah. <laughs> do you, know you don't I mean?
1: you don't need to have like a a burning patriotic heart or you know anarchist tendencies. Sometimes you could just be a bit bored. Just like oh, you
0: know, people are talking about a Trump surge. I don't really think there was much of a surge. I think basically Obama lost about four million votes from two thousand eight to twenty twelve and Hillary lost about six million further, a further six million votes. Yeah.
1: Deeply unpopular woman,
0: in other words. The Democrat support collapsed. Yeah. It wasn't that suddenly a load of people who weren't Republicans before joined the party just so they could vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. There was no real Trump surge. It was just Hillary's democrat support collapsing they just couldn't get behind hillary clinton now is that because does everyone just hate hillary clinton
1: i think she's been mired in scandal for a long time and polit- politically she's 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 lost out in the past she lost out in the nominations to obama and the best story i heard about her she she nicked a load of antique uh, cutlery and plates what? from the white house yes was i like,
0: did hear something about you this. know
1: she was just, oh, just a pile of plates i'll take it
0: I mean, Trump was no stranger to controversy on this election campaign trail, right? Mm. But I found a lot of people, even people who lean left, would look at the controversies around Trump and still conclude to themselves, well, you know what, at least he's not Hillary. And it's like, what do you think that phenomenon was? Uh, do you like, think, how do they overlook the you, media's building Trump up to be a neo-fascist yeah, Hitler?
1: Because I feel like that isn't a thing now. You've just said that. Like a lot of left-leaning people were thinking, oh, you know... But the way it's being portrayed in the media is like it's not left-leaning people. It's like normal, rational, middle-of-the-road people should all be appalled and
0: terrified. Do you remember when they had that debate in Parliament about whether or not they should ban Donald Trump from coming to the UK? (sighs) I can't wait to see them, big plastic smiles on their faces as they're they're shaking Donald Trump's hand. Outside number 10. Hi, Donald. Really happy to meet you. Yeah. Now, Hillary ignored Trump's rhetorical appeal. She decried it as basically just racist and misogynistic. But she didn't really offer any like viable alternative vision. She was like, her platform was just kind of, I'm a woman. It's your chance to have your first female president. Oh, and by the way, I'm not Donald Trump. That's all she kind of really said. I think it became synonymous her attitude of oh i'm owed the presidency i can just walk my way into the white house i don't have to worry about trump i think people found that synonymous with washington people they're completely out of touch with quote unquote real americans middle america
1: well they were so stupid because she she made a a fundamental fatal flaw when she basically attacked half of the electorate you know as you Put them all in a basket of deplorables and <laughs> you know, it was a stupid thing to do because they must have they must have seen what happened in the UK with Brexit, where the only alternative was like you're either a good person or you're a bad racist, misogynist, sexist, anti Semite, you know. Yeah, if
0: you don't vote for me. It's like uh blackmail, I'm trying yeah. to blackmail people into yeah, voting for yeah. you. But that's it was, the golden rule of the, electioneering is do not you can insult your opponent that. as much as you want. Yeah, she insulted But never their supporters. Yeah. And even Donald Trump didn't do that. He said Donald it, Trump yeah. insulted everyone, but he didn't attack Hillary's supporters, ever.
1: Well, he didn't attack... Yeah, he's all about going after the... The, the elite, yeah.
0: yeah, She made Trump supporters look like cool rebels. Well,
1: but also, the, it's, you know, it's not cool to be racist, it's a bit...
0: Well, and that kind of against authority kind of thing. Yeah. Or well, just, yeah,
1: controversial, isn't it? Changing, changing
0: things up. Yeah, there was a point about a month and a half where Hillary wasn't out on the campaign trail, she wasn't holding rallies... She wasn't doing press interviews. There was that disconnect from the public, wasn't there?
1: Even like yeah. when, when people came up and hugged her, it, it was <laughs> like you could tell they were all like actors. Like, But Trump, he had like, I don't know, was it Jimmy, Jimmy someone like ruffle his hair on telly and just to oh, check Oh, Jimmy Fallon, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> he got a lot of shit for that. Actually, that's a not a bad segue, the fact you mentioned Jimmy Fallon there because. Because he had Hillary Clinton on first, if I remember correctly, and he lobbed her a bunch of softballs and they had a bit of fun. Oh, he, and had to, he, had to, he had to
1: open a pickle jar.
0: Oh yeah, 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 to just prove she was healthy, kind of thing. Yeah. Not an old woman. Yeah, but yeah, it was a bit of light-hearted fun. And then he has Trump on and does the same thing. And he took, he got so much shit for that. Other late-night TV presenters were all attacking him for that. And it's what, like, just, look, why? It's because he was. They took it as, oh, you're be, you're showing your support for Trump because you didn't viciously attack him. But the media viciously went after Jimmy Fallon. And they did this with anybody, anybody who even said, oh, do you know what? I think Trump actually has a chance of winning. Even someone, they're not offering their explicit support. They're not endorsing Mm. Donald Trump. They're just saying he might have a chance of winning. Yeah. And everyone in the media, all of their colleagues, some people they consider friends, would chide and lambast them publicly Mm. just for saying he might win. Mm. All of that went in Trump's favour. Yeah. There was so the the whole- media helped Trump win. As much as they were desperately trying to paint Trump as a crypto-fascist who wants World War III, even though he's kind of a non-interventionist, but whatever, they helped him get into the White House. Now, amidst all the howling and painful screams, a couple of MSNBC talking heads realised they had completely detached themselves from most of America in the sense that they just don't talk to everyday Americans anymore. They only talk to each other. Even in the media, there's like an echo chamber. It's almost
1: like the, the media has become our moral guide. It's, it's become our moral guide instead of like churches used to be traditionally. Mm. Um, now, like, instead of going somewhere once a week and being told, like, what's good and what's bad and what you should support and what you should pay attention to. Yeah. Now, the way the media's reported now is, is, is very moralistic as well. It's very biased, like, dramatised. They moralised to us too much, the media.
0: All right. Now, Trump told us all that those polls that were predicting his inevitable defeat they were skewed against him. They were rigged. I think that 98% one was. Yeah, that probably. That was about, yeah. uh, Huffington Post. God. Unsurprisingly there. Yeah. Like you say, all those polls were wrong. Donald Trump, he was right when he said the polls were rigged, they were they being were skewed rigged. against him. He was right. Because, that you know, polls, it depends who you ask, when you ask them,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what you're asking them. Polls aren't worth shit. Never have been, never will be. Even exit polls. I walk out oh, how did you vote? Oh, I'm not going to fucking tell you. Fuck off. Oh, they'll be like, oh, he looks like a bit of a Labour Labor voter. I'll tick him as Labour. I've mm. got to get 300 of these names.
0: I think they weighted ethnic minorities in such a way that not a single ethnic minority... They would have predicted not a single ethnic minority would vote for Trump. They probably just presumed 99% of ethnic minorities are going to vote Hillary. Mm. And of course, 30% of Latinos... Voted for Trump. I think it's eight percent of blacks voted for mm. Trump. I think the media now, traditional media, so broadcast, print media, mm. they're scared shitless that the public no longer listens to them at all. Yeah, they're turning to people like Alex Jones of Infowars fame. Yeah. yeah, another good example, Dave Rubin. He's uh, he used to be part of the Young yeah. Turks until they got a little too crazy, left-wing yeah. crazy, and then he I, left.
1: Talking about crazy though, I'd even say people like David Icke. You know who, who who'd never get an audience on the TV or news, but regularly as like millions of people looking at his stuff on the internet and looking at his videos and listening to him. So like, there's all that lot as well. It's it's it's, it's, it's the internet's changed everything. I think that's the theme of
0: the the show today. The world has mm. changed. We're all still catching up, basically. And it's really really bad for the centre left. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Alex Jones has built quite a sizable audience over the last 10, 12 years? Post 9-11, he sort of, his yeah. popularity exploded. Oh, yeah. I think he's going to experience another explosion in popularity now. InfoWars is going to become like one of the biggest news sites.
1: Donald Trump was on InfoWars during the campaign.
0: First uh, network he called.
1: Yeah. Also, I, I I I might have to look this up. It might be untrue or a rumour, but apparently he was going to reopen the 9... He said something about reopening 9-11 investigation.
0: Donald Trump? Apparently. Oh, because it came to light, there was it was funded uh, funded by Saudi. <laughs> Saudis. Yeah. yeah, you
1: know, you know, nineteen of whom were were Saudi
0: <laughs> who we are the hijackers, or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose another person who I think is going to win big from this Trump victory and Coulter—that's the was, commentator, uh, isn't it? Yeah, she's kind of a transvestite-looking, very skinny blonde woman with a massive Adam's apple. But we, uh, you heard a little bit of her. And that clip we played of uh, people melting down after Trump's victory, mm-hmm. where she was on Bill Maher's real time. And he asks her, of all the Republican nominees, this was like 16 months ago, mm-hmm. who's going to win the actual presidency? And she predicted Donald Trump. And the audience and heard, erupted
1: with paroxysms of laughter.
0: Those same people who laughed at her are probably going to look at her now as like, do you know what? She's in tune with something here. <laughs> I might actually start looking to Anne Coulter to, to well, analyse and explain the world to me now because she's in touch with reality more than I am. Well, that's the thing you said before. You said, like, we
1: said, like, oh, the world's changed. Everyone's catching up. And you said, yeah, and it's bad for the sort of centre-left. Center center yeah, it is. But the whole thing about the internet changing the media. So, like I said, you went you went from, like, a going somewhere once every week and being told what to think and do to having that beamed into your house every day.
0: Into your Google glasses but every now. minutes.
1: And now there's a there's a step forward from that now with the internet. People people call it a post fact world. Yeah, where it's almost truth. it's almost that like you can choo- choose your truth, or maybe because of the internet and the narrative is so hard to c- control, the truth is just coming out all the time now. Maybe we do live in an age of revelation. Just keep these truths just keep coming out. Like it's impossible to suppress stuff now because the internet and just people talking to each other. You know, instead of uh, having a screen in front of them,
0: no one comes to the conclusion that they're wrong ever. No. It, and, no, and also no
1: one has ever won an argument on the internet ever either
0: <laughs> that's a fact really. as well people have only ever been destroyed on the internet yeah. this is on the internet now does it count <laughs> <laughs> the day after trump's victory riots broke out mainly on the uh, east and west coast because they're the blue they bits proper on the map riots come on i'd say so riots there's windows being smashed there's cars being burned oh really uh, i've not seen uh, Trump- any of that did you not see the video of not the Trump the supporter? Did you not see the video of the Trump supporter being dragged out of his car and beaten, and only, then they stole his car? Only on the internet. Yeah, not in the mainstream. I didn't yeah. see it on the news. But well, what are they protesting? That they lost. Yeah, but that's not legit. Or that <laughs> you can't participate in an election. You can't go into the voting booth and tick the box and say, yes, I abide by this process, I believe in this process, and then when your candidate loses, fuck this, I'm going out on the street with my baseball bat, and I'm smashing Starbucks windows, it's not a legitimate <laughs> stance.
1: A lot of these rioters that I've seen, and you, and you can hear it from the actual audio, there's all very young voices, a lot of young f- females actually, yeah, yeah. Um so i am mean, interested in the sort of demographic of the rioters like i know in la there wasn't really a riot there was there was like a burden of an effigy at, at a college and mm. the biggest one was there was a protest on the main freeway which caused like four hours of traffic mm. it was mostly young students
0: that's what it looked like melodramatic sky is falling clutching their pearls everyone gets a trophy i think these protests they're having a complete opposite effect they're trying to say Trump's a fascist and that's why we can't have him. But they're making Trump look sympathetic. You know, your average everyday American is going to look at their actions and be like, what the fuck are they doing? He's not even in office yet. Give the guy a chance. Even Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live was like, I'm going to was give he? Trump a chance. I'm not going to condemn him before he's even in office. Yeah. Because you remember back in 2008, a lot of people weren't giving Barack Obama a chance. And so you got to give president Ele- you got to give them a little bit of respect, even though it's... Donald Trump we're talking about here. Um, <laughs> He's got his imperfections, folks. Yeah,
1: yeah, and he never tried to hide it either, which is a different thing. We all know mm. that the presidents are you know, imperfect beings, but they always had the veneer of respectability about them. Trump doesn't even bother about that. So that's something new.
0: Mm, true. Now, one argument I've seen from uh, embittered Hillary supporters is that, oh, she she won the popular vote. Trump only won the electoral college. You know what? We should get rid of that. I don't buy this argument at all. The reason the electoral college exists is so a state like California yeah. can't completely dominate the rest of the union. Yeah, because that you know it's, it's feasible there could just be one really rich Californian businessman yeah. and just with all his
1: money and stuff he could just be the president forever because Californians would love him. <laughs> um, no, it's it's constitutionally, lo, lo, you know, logistically, <laughs> mathematically, it's it's the right thing to do for a, a country that vast.
0: Yeah, I mentioned earlier how Trump's election. Pretty much bad news for the centre-left. And in fact, uh, if you look across most of the Western Hemisphere right now, the centre-left are getting their asses kicked. They're kind of uh, disappearing. Well, like our Labour Party
1: has sort of lurched to the far left. Corbyn! Corbyn his supporters have. It hasn't pl- parliamentarily, but yeah, the sort of centre ground is is gone now. Politics has uh, become a lot more polarised recently.
0: Well, the right are occupying the centre ground now, and the, the reason for that is the right are making arguments. Populist well, choices. N- yeah, not necessarily the best arguments ever, right? But they are compelling. A- an argument doesn't have to be 100% valid, 100% legitimate for it to be compelling. And the right are making compelling arguments right now. They're forming compelling narratives. And the centre-left are doing nothing. We're just, we're walking away. We're kind of becoming apathetic to it all and just going, Do you know what, I'm just going to step back from this and I'm just going to let the left and the right just fight it out and whatever happens, happens. Hmm. Now, this is bad news if you're somebody looking for a centre-left party to vote for who might have an like chance of winning. Obviously, I don't
1: <laughs> want that to happen. <laughs>
0: Do you remember when um, people were talking about how the Tories would never get a majority ever again, and yeah. that the world was just becoming more and more left-wing? Yeah,
1: and then that that amazing um, BBC election coverage, when uh, for whatever reason the Tories got a lot more votes than everyone expected, and mm. uh, much gnashing of teeth and wailing was was heard across the land.
0: I think the hard left, as people call it, they've done a fair amount of damage to the left in general, the left's image in general. They've uh, they have created an image where all left-wing people do is just incessantly jab their fingers at people, casting aspersions... Moralising again. Declaring everything to be racist, sexist, yeah. homophobic. Literally yeah. everything is racist. Yeah. They're just that. turning people off. The hard left, they've completely locked themselves inside of online echo chambers, where dissenting opinions just... They're not allowed... No one's allowed to challenge your worldview when you're inside the echo chamber
1: it's politically correct culture
0: Uh, in 2015 when the tories won a majority when they when everyone was saying there was they were never going to get a majority ever again that's when i stepped out of that left wing echo chamber i think i was i I don't think i was alone in doing that i think a lot of center left people did that around the same time and what we're now realizing is is the hard left are alienating the mainstream you're not going to see if the left don't change you're not going to see a left wing government for another 15 20 years
1: no. Like, the, the mainstream considers, uh you know, far left as, like, a type of fanaticism. Like, the sort of yeah. writing you're seeing in the States is, like, far left, really, isn't it?
0: It's becoming a bit cult-like.
1: Yeah. It's almost like a, a uniform a way of... has its own language.
0: They've developed their own lexicon, and, of course, the reason they did that was so they could just condemn anybody for not using the right language... Oh god, I fucking hate language policing. You can't I can't even put into words how much I hate language policing. So the center left, we've come out of these echo chambers. We've looked at what the left's doing and the damage they're doing. But problem is we feel kind of powerless about it. We're just kind of standing back and just watching it happen. Mm. So if I like I say, if the hard left doesn't drop their incessant finger jabbing The casting of aspersions declaring everything to be phobic in some manner pathologizing anyone who doesn't agree with them Hmm. all of that shit's got to stop yeah otherwise if you're not willing to stop it learn to love living under right-wing governments if you're gonna act like that yeah get used to it yeah you're not gonna have a fucking choice either way People look at the left and what they see is um people who they're in this sort of drug and sex fueled haze. Lucky walking, bastards. Where where <laughs> where can I get some of that man? <laughs> they're walking around and they're so confused they don't even know what gender they are, they oh. don't know what oh. toilet they're supposed to be using. And it's just alienating the mainstream completely. Get your shit together left. And the reason why you need to get your shit together. Is because Marine Le Pen, La France Nationale, they're on the rise. Will she be France's next president? Has France ever had a female president? I don't think so. Ooh. So, popular sentiment coming out of Trump's election victory. Have you seen that image macro where it's uh, a British Pepe, an American Pepe, and they're looking to a French Pepe and they're saying your turn now France (laughs) (laughs) time for Frexit I hope that doesn't become a word I hope that really doesn't catch on like Brexit did but let's quickly go through a list of all the things that weren't supposed to happen over the last couple of years number one the Tories were never supposed to have a majority in Parliament ever again and they got one they did number two Jeremy Corbyn wasn't supposed to win the Labour leadership contest twice (laughs) <laughs> and, he, and he did leicester city weren't supposed to win the premiership okay no one expected that one yeah that was like a million to one odds the british public weren't supposed to even get a referendum on eu membership and they sure as shit weren't supposed to vote to leave
1: miracle from heaven
0: <laughs> and last but not least number five donald trump was not supposed to be president elect motherfucker but guess what <laughs> All of these things happened, and in regards to French politics, Marine Le Pen is not supposed to win the 2017 presidential elections. Does anyone feel comfortable enough making that bet right now? Tim, would you bet Marine Le Pen isn't going to win? As always, it depends on the odds, but <laughs> she was on the Andrew Marshall show. She was on Sunday, yeah. Yeah.
1: When's the last time you saw a French politician on the Andrew Marshall
0: I've never seen Sarkozy on it. Yeah, you're right. We don't really give a win. shit about French politics normally. She's going to win. Just like Trump
1: won, <laughs> just like Brexit happened. All right. So looks like bit. Ed Balls will win strictly come dancing. <laughs> it's
0: just, you know. He might the fact he's still in it everything's is everything's wrong, everything's gone wrong. A bit of background on this for anybody who doesn't know who Marine Le Pen is. She is the leader of Le Front National, a right-wing nationalist Eurosceptic political party, which which was run by Marine Le Pen's father, Jean-Marie, from its inception in about 1993, up until he retired from the position in 2011, at which point his daughter... Was elected leader. Jean Marie's Front National was virulently anti Semitic <laughs> and openly racist. And Marie Le Pen spent the first few years of her leadership basically purging the party of all the uh anti Semites, the neo fascists, and they're just comfortably overtly racist. They were they were proper skinheads. Yeah. To use a basic
1: vernacular, they were.
0: Yeah. I mean like the the equivalent of our National Front. Yeah. Which thankfully doesn't really exist anymore. Nope. Since she became party leader, she's worked tirelessly, pretty much, to soften the image of Front National and has made it a much more respectable party. Uh, I mean, even some young people are voting. I mean, young people in the Western world tend to lean left, and even they, not only are they willing to vote for Front National, they don't, they won't openly condemn anyone who does. Right. Which is kind of weird. Well, maybe it's the French French way of
1: things. They're very like uh, outspoken, open-minded people. Like I've noticed. Uh, they're a lot more racist <laughs> than, than English people, I've noticed, when I've gone over there. Well, they hate the English. There's a of yeah, hate in the Yeah, there you go. English, yeah, Hundred Years' War.
0: We love to hate them. They love to hate end? us. Yeah. Or Is she like hair. her
1: father? Is she an anti-Semite racist?
0: Well, no, that's what I said at the beginning. She's basically, she softened not only the image of the party, but I think also yeah. some of its policies are okay. slightly less xenophobic now. Right. Kind of just straight-up anti-immigrant. Hmm. Now, the recent strain of terror attacks in France has bolstered anti-Muslim sentiments, and uh, Le Pen has capitalised on this as the current socialist president, François Hollande, experiences some <laughs> of the lowest approval ratings in history. If it's a French name, I have to say it in the dumb French accent. <laughs> Was that French? <laughs> that's
1: that's more That's more uh, Wallonian-sounding to oh, me. All right, cool. Yeah.
0: Likewise, the migrant crisis... This is bolstering anti-immigrant sentiments in France. And of course, uh, Front National are the anti-immigrant party. And uh, Marine Le Pen has been able to capitalise this on so well, so well that in December 2015, Front National posted the highest polling numbers since their inception, leading many to believe Le Pen would win the first round of presidential elections, but likely lose to a more centre-right candidate in the second round of elections.
1: Why likely to lose in the second round when you win the first round?
0: The polling at the moment shows understand. she's she's going to win the first round, yeah. right? And yeah. now, obviously, the way the system works is to... I think it's like the bottom two or three, drop you get out. the least votes, they drop out. right? Okay. And what tends to happen is everybody puts... Everyone oh. who's pro Front National, pro Marine Le Pen. Yeah. Because yeah. you number them. Right. So oh, proportional they number, representation, yes. in other words. They yeah. number Marine Le Pen as num first priority, their first pick. Yeah. So she wins the first round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in the runoff vote, yeah, where well, yeah. you start counting up That's what I mean. number two pick number yeah. two, pick number three. Yeah, yeah. She's never in she's never in the number two or number three slot. Okay. So she wins the first round and then she loses the following rounds. However, post Trump victory, it's become a bit of like a learned behaviour now that whatever you think isn't going to happen, you should expect to happen. Mm. 2016 and 2015 as well. What are you going to do? The the whole thing
1: is, is 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 what line she takes and how soft she goes. Like, are they virulently eurosceptic? Eurosceptic, like, yeah. Are they going to fundamental? De- yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, totally. so, so they're going to demand a referendum to leave the EU and single it, market, or whatever. That...
0: Undoubtedly, it would be part of her manifesto, and if she wins, yeah. she basically gets the right. Yeah. Because, like you because
1: like I say, the reason I think we got Brexit was because a lot of people held their nose, or at least set their political allegiances aside. It was more of an issue thing than uh, a political thing.
0: Now, you said uh, you mentioned earlier, Marine Le Pen appeared on the Andrew Marr show on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, she was basically saying Trump's victory changes everything. Oh, Brexit and Trump's victory has changed everything. All of the expected norms they're to be thrown out of the window now. And so Andrew Marr was saying, do you think you're going to win now? Because everyone was saying, you'll win the first round and then you'll go out in the second round. Do you think that's going to happen now? And she's like, I don't know. She's going to, you can tell she's more confident. Her Mm. confidence has increased Mm. because of Trump's victory. Like She she said, she was saying like the established order is now falling away. Right. And a new order is going to emerge. Yeah, which, which I think would be a quite right-wing order.
1: That sounds like a right-wing sort of thing to say, mm. but I think that's more just to do with a choice of words or or language. I honestly do think like there's there's a lot of upheaval and uh, anti-establishment terrorism going on.
0: Yeah, but the left should be able <laughs> to capitalize on anger yeah. as well. It shouldn't be just. But the left isn't
1: the the, the the sort of traditional left now is seems to be part of the establishment. Mm, so people true. are looking for these you know individualistic people.
0: I. I don't really think Donald Trump winning raises the chances mm. of Marine Le Pen winning.
1: I, I, I've, I've not heard him uh, talk about her.
0: He doesn't talk about any, a lot of foreign countries. Yeah. Only when he talks about ISIS and Putin. Similar. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, the, the right aren't really experiencing a massive upsurge. It's more the collapse of the left. Yeah. Like I was saying at the it's end the, of uh, the first Trump segment, the yeah. centre-left are kind of falling away in the Western Hemisphere. And obviously that's going to help Marine Le Pen. It's almost like the argument's die out, isn't it? The strength of the argument's fade in. So when the left don't really have any answers, they're leaving a vacuum behind. But I don't think it's the left. I think it's the establishment. But you're saying the left pretty much are the establishment now. I mentioned earlier the strain of terrorist attacks in France. That sort of atmosphere. The French are going to be looking for someone who is a little bit anti-immigrant, who's a bit tough, or at the very least talks tough when it comes to crime, law and order. Which is kind of a little bit like Donald Trump. So, I mean, do you think Marine Le Pen would she uh, would it be beneficial to her to start mimicking Donald Trump?
1: How shave um, off
0: shave off her, her, half her hair, put on a bit of weight, put on five stone, <laughs> but come up with a berry, make France great again?
1: Yeah, all she needs. You are right. All she needs is is a is a powerful meme of her own, <laughs> and uh, she'll be on her way. Man.
0: <laughs> but do you think Marine Le Pen can learn anything from Donald Trump's success?
1: Uh, definitely definitely just be outspoken get those sound bites
0: yeah before forthright. you know we people talk about brexit and donald trump as being working class revolts if you actually look at the demographics it's not really there's really? a certain there's a discernible sizable chunk of middle classes who voted for brexit and voted for donald trump as well
1: and of course the middle class technically is uh, shrinking yeah some whole people scale. are falling off well no it's just 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 the just the division between rich and poor is is the basic uh denominator here is inequality is is is, is the gulf is widening incredibly every year and um so maybe it's just like a sort of uh death 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 cry of the middle class there's it's their last hurrah you know before they sort of just become insignificant from from culture and uh you know fashion
0: do you think the middle class feel threatened in any way by globalization that Sooner or later, they're probably going to lose their jobs.
1: Yeah, they'll just be another, uh, you know, another mouth to feed in the the camp. You know, just they'll just the mass. It, I think people just
0: just feel like over, overpopulation is a real thing. It's becoming obvious though that with Trump's victory, with the Brexit vote, yeah, people are becoming more protectionist. Yeah, the populace is becoming more protectionist. Yeah, but what, and that's that's yeah. Marine Le Pen's. She's been she's had a protectionist stance from day one.
1: Yeah. But when I talk about quality of
0: life, it's a really basic, stupid one. Like
1: just literally the amount of people standing near you it doesn't. It's not a question of money or race or something. It's like how much space you have standing on the bus or just walking down the pavement. You know, mm. so people are used to like having like more empty suburban streets and stuff, and that's that's sort of disappearing now in all the big cities. That's where the middle class feels like it's this just doesn't doesn't feel special anymore. It doesn't feel like it's a separate entity anymore. So it's
0: is it racist to recognise your country, your nation, state has its own culture and to want to protect it, to not want to see it be overrun. I'd rather have that than just be this bland, generic Europa. Do you know what I mean? Where there's yeah. there's only one culture and it's consumerism. But yeah,
1: but simple things like uh, national dress. That's one thing that's gone now. People used to dress differently in
0: countries. Every culture used to have its own set, like hairstyles, and they used to mean different things. But literally, that's gone now. But
1: yeah, literally different clothes and <laughs>
0: weird hats. You it's know. all gone. We all dress like <laughs> Americans now. Yeah. Now, the mainstream centre-right, they're... Well, they were certain before Trump's victory that they were just, one of them was going to beat Marine Le Pen in the second round of voting. They're now majorly concerned, but they're hopeful. They've changed from being dead certain to hopeful that one of them will beat Marine Le Pen. The problem is, and Marine Le Pen has already demonstrated she's well aware of this, she's moving people to the right. She's moving (laughs) left-wing parties to the right, but she's going to be able to say, hey, listen, why go with Marine Le Pen light?" Why go with a diluted version of me? Why not go with the genuine article, the real deal? You know me. You know I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to be uh, like a Donald Trump. She's not going to be swayed mm. by people protesting in the streets and burning effigies of her. She's going to push on anyway. Yeah, I think she might have the right-wing vote sewn up. Yeah, Really, what this is going to come down to, I think, is uh, if Trump's... First hundred days or whatever, his first year in office. If it goes really badly, I think Marine Le Pen's in trouble. Mm. If he does either okay to good, she's in with a chance. That's what. I'm not. I'm not going to predict she's going to lose because I've been wrong about every other prediction I made. She might win. What do you think? I said earlier, I think. I think she's going to
1: win. <laughs> it's a yes or no question. I thought. Yeah. I don't see it's she has as much as opposition. Do
0: you know what? The I opposition is almost... very unpopular.
1: What's that? Her is not exactly very popular, is there?
0: What's his name? François Hollande. He's got some of the lowest approval ratings Never. in French political history. Yeah. All right, we talked about Marine Le Pen. <laughs> Next segment, Adam Curtis. His latest documentary, hypernormalization. Was that on TV or in the cinema? Uh, it's on BBC iPlayer. Well, at 20 minutes to five, we can
2: say the decision taken in 1975 has been reversed by this Brexit referendum it showed that all the people who are supposed to tell you about the world the journalists the politicians the think tank experts know nothing it showed that they and you live in a dream world detached from reality
0: yes documentary maker adam curtis who made the century of the self and if you recall the power of nightmares tim you i bet you've seen that one I've never seen if I've never heard of him before today. Oh my god, Power of Nightmares was the one that made the claim uh, Al-Qaeda doesn't actually exist. Incorrectly made the claim, I should say. Anyway. <laughs> they did exist. They are a thing. But Adam Curtis has returned in an attempt to explain to us all just what the fuck is going on in his latest work, hypernormalization. What is
1: hypernormalization It sounds like a really futuristic term. Okay,
0: so, as best as I could work out from a two-hour, 40-minute documentary... The basic tenet of hypernormalization is that the reality being presented to us through television and through the press, it doesn't seem real to us. It doesn't jive with what we see in our own lives or what we think of the world. There's a, there's a disconnect. And the thing is, we become... This disconnect has existed so long and we've kind of just become so used to, to it and accustomed to it. We've become desensitized to seeing all of the bad shit that's going on in the world because... Mm-hmm. We don't have any answers. We don't have any solutions to the problems. The people who we elect to come up with solutions to the problems, they don't have any answers. They don't really know what's going on either. And we just accept that. We've been left with little choice but to accept it because there's no real viable alternative. And uh, we're left with nothing more than a feeling of hopelessness about what's happening in the world.
1: Gosh, that sounds like a depressing documentary.
0: The fact that we're so comfortable living in these false realities and we're so accepting of it. Yeah. That phenomenon is what Adam Curtis calls hypernormalization. Okay. So we know the media's lying to us. We know mm. our bosses are lying to us. We know the politicians are lying to us, but we don't ever really do anything about it. We just accept it. Mm. So we, we, we know about all this, but he's still making a documentary to tell us about it. So why should I see it? This is the thing. You're right. You're not <laughs> wrong to I say that. Why should I see something I already know about? You're not wrong to say that. It <laughs> tells me that, actually, you know it. Because that's the impression I got watching hyper normalization is these are all things that I know. Yeah. But what Adam Curtis has done is put them in a kind of sequential order and formed a narrative whereby it's, he starts every single one of his documentaries with the line, this is a story about X, right? right? And that's what Adam Curtis is doing. He's not making documentaries in a kind of very formal factual sense of here, here's all the facts and here's an expert analysis on what this means and blah, blah, blah. Adam Curtis just does he takes old news archive footage mm. from the BBC mm. and then he narrates over it okay you never see his face you never see him speaking to someone interviewing someone so he's
1: like the opposite of Louis Theroux yeah <laughs> almost exactly <laughs> interesting yeah <laughs> the thing is
0: because he's using all old news archive footage he sometimes he has to pad things out and what happens is is sometimes what he's talking about there's no relation to the images that are on the screen. And I'll give you an example from uh, hyper-normalisation. One of the first things you see in this new documentary of his, Adam Curtis, is a dead woman lying on... You know in Manhattan they have stoops, those yeah, little stone okay. steps outside it's... people's front doors. Yeah, like a lying. So. Yeah. yeah, she's lying dead on one of those, right? And... Um, this is the thing, Adam Curtis doesn't tell you who she is, how she died, why Why are you showing me this? He, Boom, yeah, yeah. it just
1: starts with a picture of a dead body. Yeah.
0: And what he's talking about... That's pretty harsh. What he's talking about when that image is on the screen is he's talking about how New York in his 70s was basically bankrupt, the politicians didn't know what to do, and they turned to bankers and big businessmen like Donald Trump to fix the mess and sort everything out. And they did, didn't they? But like I say, it's what he's did, talking did. about has no relation to what's on screen. <laughs> another thing that he tends to do is yeah. he tends to make really strenuous links between two different phenomena and two different factoids if you will hmm. and you're kind of, sometimes you're left kind of thinking All right, um, why, are you, why are you trying to establish this connection there's no real connection there and it's a little bit jarring
2: you spend your days and nights on social media the original vision was that it was going to open up a new paradise where information was shared freely But now the algorithms are so strong and know so much about you that they only give you what they know you like. You have become trapped in an echo chamber where all you see and hear is you. You go into an office and sit at a desk. But maybe it is a fake job. Your real job is shopping true factories of our time are the shopping malls that is where the real hard work is done you are managed with performance targets and measured outcomes but as you sit in the glass walled offices you know that the targets are manipulated and fake and the managers know that you know but you all sit there and pretend it is objective and rational
0: towards the end of hyper normalization uh, adam curtis talks about vladimir putin and uh vladimir putin's got this press secretary something like that a guy i think his name was serkov or Serko, something like that and what this guy does is he starts up anti-putin groups dissident political activist groups Mm -hmm. and then he funds them as well and then once this group starts gaining traction in the mainstream consciousness he leaks to the press oh by the way this anti-putin group yeah that was set up and funded by part of the putin administration And so it leaves Russians not knowing what the fuck's going on. Who Who's telling the truth? Who's lying? Russians don't know. It's right. what Adam Curtis is trying to get across. Okay. And then he makes a really strenuous connection between that and Donald Trump. Okay. Suggesting that Donald Trump is doing the same thing. And what he's getting at is, you know how Donald Trump announces a policy and then walks back from it? The thing is, is Donald Trump, that's not part of a calculated plan. He's not that shrewd. No. He's announcing a policy. The public are going, what the fuck is it? What is this nutcase? They're rejecting it, and then he walks back from it, which is not the same thing that the Putin administration is doing. Politicians have done that for years, though. Walking back from just, unpopular... Just not fulfilling their manifesto. Yeah, true. Until
1: they're given the power or the responsibility and have waited with the burdens of, of, of you know, governorship. You know, sometimes they have to they have to change their, their original
0: promises. Mm. It's an accepted part of uh, politics. You've got to compromise. But to talk about hyper-normalisation itself and to just kind of briefly go over the points raised by Adam Curtis. Mm. So he's not trying to present something that should be taken as factual. He's just presenting a narrative and you either accept it, like it, or you don't, which I think is fine. You kind of a documentary maker has to say something. There has to be a narrative to what they're making. Mm. But in hyper-normalization, basically what Adam Curtis is getting at is that those who appear to be in control have no real idea of what's actually going on. The media, the analysts, the think tanks, the politicians, all of them have absolutely no idea how to fix the problems posing society. And they're looking to big business to find answers and solutions to to bail them out of their problems. And the example he gives is 1970s New York, where he introduces Donald Trump Because Donald Trump bought up a bunch of property when it was dirt cheap in New York, went to the government and said, I want to build housing, which New York needs more of, but I want you to give me the money for it. Basically, you loan me the money, I develop the properties, I sell them, I make a shitload of money and I pay you your money back. And then, like I say, he introduces Donald Trump at that moment and he's setting up bringing in Donald Trump at the end. Like where I say he makes that strenuous connection between Putin and Donald Trump, like a Hillary fucking supporter. So the fact that the politicians are kind of ceding power, in a way, to bankers and big business, that leads to a lot of corruption inherently, and the public is going to find out about it, because new media is... No one can put any sort of reins on new media. Like, you know, judges are trying to put at these super injunctions and shit, yeah, and it doesn't work because of Twitter. But you say- And the the end result is is that the public, they have no idea who it is they're supposed to trust. They don't know what information is accurate and inaccurate. They can't tell the difference anymore. And as a result, we turn ever more away from the real world to what used to be called cyberspace. Seems almost antiquated now, doesn't it? It was like a utopian dream, a a realm where you don't have any ethnicity. There's no real gender. You're just a screen name. It's just you, your consciousness and your ideas that you're expressing in cyberspace. Your avatar. And that this was supposed to be a, a utopia free from racism and the old hierarchical order, you know what I mean? And in cyberspace, now I don't know if this is what the early adopters of the internet intended or not, but everybody just locks themselves into an echo chamber where our own opinions and our worldviews are never challenged. Hmm. That's the purpose of the echo chamber. And we fall ourselves into thinking that our impi- our opinions are completely infallible and that they matter when really they don't matter at all. And that the people in control are at the very top. They just want our money. And Adam Curtis establishes that uh, through internet algorithms and vast databases, the powers that be, they know us. They know where we live. They know everything that we've bought online. They know everything that we're intending to buy online. But they're not using it. That. It's not like the conspiratorial. They're doing it because they want to control us. Oh, no. when, when everybody thinks the same, we're all controlled. They're doing it just
2: because they want us to keep spending money. We think that we are expressing ourselves. But really, we are just components in their system. At the moment, that system absorbs all opposition, which is why nothing ever changes. Forty years ago, there was another all-encompassing system. It was in the Soviet Union. But by the 1970s, the system was starting to crack. Russia became a society where everyone knew that what their leaders said was not real, because they could see with their own eyes that the economy was falling apart. But everybody had to play along and pretend that it was real, because no-one could imagine any alternative. One Soviet writer called it hyper-normalisation. You were so much a part of the system, that it was impossible to see beyond it. The fakeness was hyper-normal.
0: But that's the kind of paradox that the internet presents us with. Um, we think we're increasingly interconnected with more people all across the world, and really we're we're not. You know, the fact that I've added you as a facebook friend yeah but that doesn't really mean anything that doesn't really mean i know you i understand you that i have made any real connection with you i don't think two human beings can make a real connection over the internet i think they can like have you never had that experience where you like someone in the real world the offline world yeah and then when you look at their facebook page and their twitter feed and you're like jesus what they're they're a fucking arsehole
1: that's probably like this person think about me Facebook's a social minefield. Yeah. <laughs> what, what 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 is its sort of final thing? Does it does it offer a solution to this? Does it talk about the resulting thing of this? Is it, saying, yeah, is, oh, is it all doom and
0: gloom? Yeah, Adam Curtis is always doom and gloom. But what he's saying is because nobody has any real idea how to deal with real-world complex problems, what we're all doing is we're creating these false realities where our new false reality is a lot more simplified it's really like black and white. Everything's either just yes, no, right, wrong, good, bad, Mm. awesome, totally sucks. And, uh, we've become so, we've been in these false realities for so long and we've become so accustomed to them that we simply can't tell real reality from false reality anymore. But what's scary is that we, we're really comfortable with this. We don't challenge this. We do. We just kind of accept it, passively accept it. And that's what, adam curtis calls hyper normalization the idea that we know things aren't true they're not really real but we just kind of get on with it anyway i know what's what's real but i don't you've got info wars (laughs) whatever but you're forced to get on with it well yeah what's the alternative what's the alternative just sit there well that's it there is no real alternative nobody has any ideas and that's what adam curtis is getting at like i say he is he's not he's typically doom and gloom anyway yeah and in hypernormalization, he's not introducing anything that's like a new idea, something that you hadn't heard of before. Yeah, He's just arranging it in such a way that he's forming a narrative, a story, mm-hmm. that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like, which... I,
1: I, I was saying, speak for yourself, you know, mm. I've got great imagination and all that shit. And like, do you think there'll be people who watch it and actually be
0: affected by it? And be like,
1: oh my god, oh my god, that's me. I said, oh no.
0: I don't think anybody will have, like, an epiphany moment. No. Like I say, it's all kind of things that you were kind of aware of already. Mm. It's more just, you're going to watch it, you're going to think about it for a few days afterwards. Mm. Uh, Like, there's kind of a, there's a bit of a haunting line where it's, we're so, we're so much a part of the system that we can't see anything beyond that system. We Mm. can't imagine anything beyond it. And it's like Plato's uh, allegory of the cave, the prisoners shackled up and they're Mm. facing a cave wall and all they can see is the shadows on the wall they have no idea what's producing those shadows and he's kind of saying that's the world we've almost voluntarily put ourselves into Mm. ladies and gentlemen that was the show hope you enjoyed it my thanks to tim for joining me thank you for having me tom most enjoyable Thanks for coming fresh off the plane from LA, straight to the Brexit bunker. Now, if you liked this podcast and want to hear more, you should definitely... Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Like us on Facebook. Maybe. And last but not least, follow us on the Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. All right. Well, all right. That's it. Goodbye. Bye-bye.